You're listening to nothing important. So I could um, theoretically walk on a, because they film all over Chicago, so I could theor- theoretically walk on set and be an associate producer. I don't know if they're hiring people off the street for it, but it's just a, a position that's always being requested, like a boom <laughs> operator. You can't walk onto set and be like, I'm a boom operator, but there's always people looking for boom operators. Is that a challenge? Because I could totally walk on a set yeah. and say I'm a boom operator. I'll, I'll do it right now. Could you operate a boom? I've got experience operating boom. <laughs> <laughs> and boom goes the dynamite. Please enjoy the show. This is the Nothing Important Podcast. My name is Brian, and with me, as always, is Fidel Castro's Broken Down Jeep, Dave. Dave, how's it going this evening? I think my tire fell off, turned sentient, started blowing people's heads apart. (laughs) Nice, nice. I did nickel. And, of course, on the third mic is Jeff. (laughs) You don't get any... You don't get any... You don't get any uh, ridiculous-ass intro, Jeff. (laughs) I'll take that this time. And hosting right. the show, and hosting the show is Fidel Castro's lookalike, aka doppelganger, Brian. That's right. Isn't that amazing? So, like three years ago, one of my employees went to Cuba because she has a Polish passport, so she could actually go. Well, that to Cuba. makes total sense. Right, and she came back. <laughs> <laughs> she came back with like a hat that looked like Fidel Castro's, and my beard was bushy at the time. And I put it on to be funny. And at work in the back office, I made several propaganda posters of myself <laughs> as Fidel Castro in the uh, in, in the uh, you know like around the office. And I'm I'm actually pretty amazed for a pretty straight up like white dude with absolutely zero Latin heritage in me whatsoever. I actually do somewhat resemble Fidel Castro, and I'm not exactly sure why. It's the beard. It's just the beard and the you know facial features. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, that and the willingness to um, savagely oppress uh, those who uh, disagree with me. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I've been growing up my beard, stash, face area for a couple of months now. And uh, today, as a joke, I curled up the ends of the mustache, Aww. handlebar style. Nice. nice. And it's, it's delicious looking, if you can see it. Um <laughs> Someone, though, I haven't, she's been on vacation for about a month, uh, came in and was like, uh, I was like, hey, I need you to do this. Could you please do this? Because we were busy. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Nice to meet you, Yukon Cornelius. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, throw him a fastball, Raleigh Fingers. (laughs) You look like the Conan O'Brien picture of him playing baseball. That's what you look like right now. Demon re. I thought you were going to say that. What is that demonry? <laughs> yeah. You look like the Conan so, O'Brien of podcast hosts. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. So, uh, I'm excited because coming up in a few minutes, we have Josiah Johnson from uh, Legends of Chamberlain Heights uh, calling us. He uh, is the creator and producer of the Comedy Central show, and he also stars uh, two of the main characters, Grover and Milk. 
and he does the voice of several other ancillary characters. And I was super excited because one, I find the show humorous. And two, previous to that, he produced um he produced uh Thursday night football and NFL total access. And I was like, wow, you know who's gonna be into that bullshit? Dave. And Dave, how much research had you actually done for Josiah Johnson coming up in about maybe four months? I pulled up his IMDB page about ten minutes ago. I'm I I'm I am curious as to what like damn it I was not recording any of that <laughs> really uh, I have it on the I have I have it on the phone call okay perfect 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 so, just fit it in there well see okay. that's why you're the audio engineer you have to work your magic but but anyway I I think it's really cool because we're we're gonna ask him about the NFL stuff and we're gonna ask him about the uh, the Legends of Chamberlain Heights stuff and it's uh should be a very very fun phone call he should be calling us any minute now um. So, I uh, I lost my fucking wallet on the bus, which is <laughs> the absolute worst thing in the world. Because um, I've lost since I moved to Chicago. I've lost probably like a good four wallets, much to the chagrin and irritants of my wife. <laughs> uh huh. How I I've known you for quite a long time mm-hmm. and lived with you and things. Uh, this is not the first four times that this has happened. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so I'm just wondering, like, how how does one continuously lose such an important piece of their personal paraphernalia? Well, I I think a lot of times um, when I lose it, being absent minded, um, because well, also living with me, you know, I'm a pretty simple guy. Like, uh, besides the random like uh, Nintendo console purchase, have you ever seen me just go out and buy anything expensive or anything really for my own enjoyment other than beer or like a vacation or something. <laughs> I think I saw you get a gargantuan at Jimmy John's once. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like, I, I'm not a very uh, stuff driven person. I'm not a very money driven person. So like up and up. Here, we'll continue that. I think Josiah's on the phone. One second, guys. All right, Jeff and Dave on the Someone Important Hotline is Josiah Johnson from The Legend of Chamberlain Heights. Josiah, welcome to the Nothing Important Podcast. What's going on, fellas? How you guys doing? Hey, Josiah, how's it going? We're doing awesome. We're glad that you called in. Uh, we're kind of pumped. I, I love the cartoon, love the show. And uh, so it's, it's an honor to have you on. I'm a big animation fan, and you do great work, my friend. Oh, well, thank you very much, Ron. I appreciate the opportunity to join you guys. Let's, let's get it going. Well, I, I think us talking to you is more of an opportunity for us than you talking to us is an opportunity <laughs> for you. <laughs> uh, well, it's all good, man. Just, you know, I appreciate the support and definitely, you know, thank 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 you and people like yourself who watch the show and support us. Obviously, we're almost done with the first season, so we're super excited about that. Had a pretty solid run, so we got one more episode tomorrow night and then on to season two. That is, that is great. That's amazing. But first, I want to know, how did you go from doing – uh, NFL Thursday night and total access and, and gym room. How did you go from doing uh, NFL shows and games to uh, having a cartoon on Comedy Central? Uh, well, that's a, a great question. I started over at NFL Network back in 2005. Started there as a PA back in the network's infancy. We literally had, there was probably once like 30 people 
working at the network at that point, and then was there through 2015 before the show took off. So I was just there and uh, started a website while I was there with uh, my co-creator on the show, Quinn Hawking, who I played at UCLA with. We started a website called Jersey Chaser, which was kind of a, a sports theme website, but it was more of an outlet for us to kind of be creative and write a bunch of crazy shit and not have to worry about, you know, you know, any any, any kickback from anybody or you know, anybody trying to tell us what to do. So it was more of a creative outlet. We started putting a bunch of funny, like, parody videos up. This was back in, like, 2009, around the time that the Kobe and LeBron puppet parody that they, they were supposed to meet in the playoffs in the finals. So Nike made a big push towards that. So we actually took a couple of those videos and revoiced them. But we were literally just sitting around in the living room one day, and our other uh, teammate at UCLA, Ike Williams, who helped create Jersey Chaser as well, suggested that we we know we just kind of vamp on that and do do our own funny take on it. So obviously we're big LeBron fans, so we ended up doing that thing, and uh, ended up getting seen by a couple of guys who were who were TV producers. One was an animator on The Simpsons by the name of Brad Abelson. Another nice. was a TV executive named Mike Clements. So they saw saw our work online. They reached out to us, sent a cold email to the uh, the Jersey Chaser website. So at first, me and Quinn didn't really know what was going on. You know, we live in LA. A lot of crazy shit goes on out here, so we didn't know if these guys were trying to proposition us, or, or you know, we, you know, we just, you know, a range of thoughts ran through our head. But it turned out they lived literally a mile away from us. So we ended up meeting them at the W Hotel in Westwood, which is right by UCLA's campus, and they were working on a uh, LeBron James themed show at that point. And saw our work and wanted to see if we wanted to be a part of that. We kind of politely declined just because we were super raunchy and risque, and we know when the fit was LeBron's brand. <laughs> so at that point, they asked us if we had any ideas, and it turns out that me and Quinn had played together at UCLA. I use that term loosely. We were bench warmers <laughs> on the squad, but so we we kind of pitched them maybe something. You know, we we're like, hey, we're bench warmers at UCLA. Maybe we could do something on you know on that. And their eyes kind of lit up. And then from that point, we developed the show. Decided to make it about three high school freshmen, just because that was just you know a lot, a lot more relatable to fans and who hasn't been a freshman in high school and kind of, you know, dreamed of being a legend while they're in school and, you know, the rest <laughs> is history, as they say. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And and the character Grover in the show, huge LeBron fan. And then it was funny, you were talking about LeBron and being raunchy and how you didn't want to mix the two. But uh, I distinctly remember an episode where uh, LeBron gave Grover a high five and therefore um, – Grover couldn't jerk off with that hand anymore. <laughs> He'll never jerk off with that hand again. <laughs> you know, and um, it, it, I got to be honest, when I, when I was watching the show, uh, I love Milk. I, I have to assume that Milk is a pretty popular character on the show. Yeah, Milk and Jamal, like Grover's kind of just, you know, plays the middle. Milk and Jamal are obviously the fan favorites. Jamal, who's voiced by Quinn, is, uh, you know, just absurd and irrational and obviously the most disillusioned of the group and then Milk, who I voice, uh, just to give us a lot more freedom and creativity, me being a black person, him thinking he's black, we try to just have <laughs> as much fun with that as possible and kind of, you know, don't have any restraints on it. Do, <laughs> but you, you milk both of those, right? You milk Grover and, and Milk? I do Grover, yeah. Milk, but between Quinn and I, any particular episode, we'll, we'll each end up doing like six or seven voices. Just, just based on as we rewrite the scripts and add characters and do stuff. So, you know, at the end of the day, I've done, you know, pretty much women, men, kids, kind of pretty much the whole gamut in terms of characters. So we, we try and have we try and have fun. But we also obviously we come on after South Park and we look up to Trey and Matt. And when you watch, you know, South Park episodes with Trey and Matt's voices on it, 
sometimes they're not, you know, spot on imitations of, of the people. I think mm-hmm. you, Kanye is kind of the, the, the biggest one that comes to mind in my <laughs> mind. But you know, I don't watch the show to, to see a spot on Kanye impersonation. I almost prefer their their take on it and just right. how funny they are. So we kind of try and follow <laughs> their mold. That's I, I well leads me to ask you: Do you use any effects on your voices, or you just is everything uh, just trying to do it a natural take with your actual voice? For the most part, it's all natural. There may come some instances when we'll put some like you know some some vocal effects on it if necessary. But we literally like just get in the booth and they'll say you know do do whatever voice it may be, and we just kind of you know do our take on it. Generally, we make everybody laugh. And if not, if there's ever an issue with it, we work on it to get it to the point where everybody's happy. Nice. Now, when uh, when I when I first saw it, I honestly thought like obviously okay, like a black guy is doing Milk's voice, but I had no idea that it was you doing <laughs> Grover's voice as well. I thought like the hook was a white guy was doing Grover's voice, and then Milk was done by a black dude, and uh, and and they're both you, and I I guess that's a compliment, but I, I just wanted to throw that out there that I really like the dynamic between the characters and. And uh, good job on making them sound vastly different. I <laughs> uh, appreciate it, man. We definitely, Quinn and I definitely try to have fun with that. Like, when people find out that it's Quinn doing Jamal's voice, they're always like, whoa, that's crazy. And the same thing with me. Like, they can't believe I do two voices. And we literally, like, one of the voices was based, was based off of the uh, the Kobe and LeBron puppet parodies that we did. Actually, Quinn's <laughs> voice was based off of that, of the little kid when we did. And then mine was based off of the Kobe character in that for Grover. And then Milk was kind of, we just like, we used to play Grand Theft Auto in college back in 2004, 2005, as we played that Grand Theft Auto San Andreas religiously. Yeah. One of the, yeah. the characters on that, that game was a character named Ryder, who was voiced by MCA. So there'd be many a drunken night where we'd both be in our, our Ryder voice characters talking <laughs> shit to each other like two, three in the morning, <laughs> just for shit, you know, for our own entertainment. And then, you know, we're thankful enough to be able to translate that to a show on Comedy Central. It's pretty, you know, it's a dream come true. <laughs> Yeah, and the the absurdity of the show is great because uh, Dave and Jeff, uh, I'm not sure how much how many of the episodes you watch, but I I've watched probably episode every episode at least two or three times, and uh, I I love how uh, the, like the first episode it, it's silly but it's kind of based, but then like when you get up to like the fifth and sixth episode and there's a stripper who looks looks and sounds exactly like Tupac, but it's not really clear if she's the reincarnation of Tupac or not. <laughs> like, like it just goes, it goes so bizarre and it works so well. Yeah. We got a lot of shit for that, but actually the writer of that episode, Carl Jones worked on the boondocks and worked on a uh, black dynamite, another show on adult swim. And uh, he does a lot of work. He's the voice of coach Bundy. He does a bunch of voices on the show, but I remember in the writer's room when he pitched that episode idea, we all just lost our shit. Cause it was, it was really the most absurd, <laughs> like crazy thing that any of us have heard of. <laughs> and he just said it with a straight face, like, yeah, man, I want to do an episode on a, you know, stripper with a fat ass who looks kind of like Tupac, and they don't know if it's Tupac or not. <laughs> and it's the way, you know, and the way that it was able to turn out, and we actually got this guy, Richard Nevels, to do the voice of Tupac, and he sounds just like him. So <laughs> it was literally just, you know, cracking us up. <laughs> uh, so you caught, a, you caught a little flack for that. I mean, like, it's... Uh, now you know, like the goalpost has been moved so far. Especially you talk about the guys from South Park. You know they, they, they moved the goalpost of taste over the last twenty years. You know, like at, at the beginning they were super risque, and now it's it's almost like they have to uh, fight to be to be offended. But uh, you guys kind of follow that no holds barred uh, thinking as well. Um, do you catch a lot of flack, especially with uh, especially with milk saying like my nig? And, and stuff like that. Like, is, is do you catch any flack for that? For the, any of the racial humor? 
like I'm, I'm, I'm one of the moderators of the Twitter account and it's literally just nonstop. You know, one of the things that Comedy Central loved about the show and what led them to buy the show was that it was polarizing. So people either loved it or they hated it. There was no in between. So we, we got like, you know, half the people love it. Half the people literally think it's the worst thing ever made. So we just try and have a good time with it. <laughs> You know, if you really look deeper into a lot of the episodes, we try and we don't try and beat you over the head with social commentary, but we definitely try and pre- present a point of view that's different and unique. And when you're airing after a show like South Park, you can't be soft. You got to really bring it. You know, yeah. I mean, they're, they're bringing mm-hmm. it every episode. They're they're shitting on Trump. They're you know they're making fun of Colin Kaepernick. They're they're talking about social issues and providing an abundance of social commentary. So we're following in their shoes and we're trying to do the same thing for the urban demo. Now, uh, you, you know, you say you're following in their shoes and obviously they're, they're famous for like the South Park wobble and they're like very choppy style of animation and, uh, Legends of Chamberlain Heights has a very choppy style of animation too. How, how did the, like the design of the characters and the animation style used in, uh, Legends, uh, come to be? That was all the brainchild of Brad Abelson, who was, uh, an animator on the Simpsons for about 20 years. And, uh, he very, he, he based it, I think, off of a, a Swedish artist that was kind of an inspiration for it. But he, he wanted to give it a very simple and, and simplistic and basic look to give us a lot of flexibility and creativity. And just to be honest with you guys, we're a black show, so we're not going to get the type of budget that South Park's going to get, so we have to make the best of what we have. But he's, uh, he's definitely created something that it has a similar feel to South Park, a little bit different, but mm. it's able to, you know, and it helps us out a lot in production to be able to do what we want to do and turn these episodes around as quick as possible. Uh, what, what is the uh, typical turnaround time for an episode? It's about from from pre-production all the way through. It's about seven to nine months, and we go through several different phases from pre-production to production to post-production, where we're constantly updating the episodes, trying to get in jokes or funnier elements or characters. You know, anything we can to strengthen it. So we have a a basic period where we write the script, and then we'll get network notes, and from that they'll do a, a rough edit of the episode, which is called an animatic. Now we're getting notes on that. And once everything is approved, we'll send it to a bento box studio in Atlanta who does all the coloring and does all the, you know, the post-reduction work on it. Then it'll come back. We'll watch it again, look at it, try and add jokes, try and beat jokes, try and, you know, elevate the episode as much as possible. Then we deliver it. And then we sit back and, you know, the, the network picks the, the air order and then they handle it from there. Oh, you guys don't even right set on. your own air order, huh? We, we give them a, like a, a preferred list of what we think the episode order should be, but then they're also looking at the calendar and seeing, what dates line up and we're trying to obviously be as topical as possible. So we did like a presidential episode that ended up, you know, we, we put uh, right before the election, we actually did one on the, like a, a shoe episode that, had, that featured the WNBA WNBA in it and just turned out that it was during the WNBA playoffs. Huh. Like we didn't really plan that out or time it because you know, none of us really big WNBA fans, but sometimes it just works out like that. Right on, right on. And then, uh, so, uh, as we record this, you have one more episode of season one tomorrow night, but this'll be, uh, this'll be posted after that. Uh, when is uh season season two looking to begin? Well, actually we've been working on season two for about seven months now. We made the official announcement at Comic-Con in July, but even before that, the network had ordered 10 additional scripts because they were so excited and so happy with the product. So we're working on season two right now. That'll be finished uh, sometime in March or April. And then I'm not sure what, what the network's looking to do for uh, the second season air air schedule. But uh, that, you know, that's kind of just in their hands. Awesome. Well, uh, we definitely look forward to it. Uh, 
And uh, we're so happy that you came on the the podcast, Josiah. You know, we're, we're I myself am a big fan. I can't speak for the other two knuckleheads, but I'm sure they probably think you're just quite all right. <laughs> uh, I, well, I, um, thanks, thanks for the opportunity, guys. You know, I support I support creativity. I support guys like yourself who are really out here trying to do something. Yeah, I'm, I'm well, actually a big uh, NFL fan, so I'm sure that I've actually seen a lot of your work and not known about it. Um, I do want to say yeah. this though, and kind of ask you. I'm not a fan of Jim Rome, and I was just wondering if he's a dick in person, too. Honestly, man, I worked with Jim for about three years uh, on that show, and you're not the first person asking that question. Jim is probably literally one of the most hardworking human beings that I've ever seen. Like, he was doing his radio show at that point, in addition to doing a Showtime show, and I want to say a CBS sports show. So he's literally, like, I would tell people, like, you know, which they'd ask him what Jim Rome is. Like, I never really saw Jim. He was always working. But he would come out and tape his stuff, and then he'd go right back in his office with uh, Kyle and Dave, who were his two, you know, right hand men, and they would just be working the whole time. Like he's he's working on stuff for his radio show, he's working on stuff for the CBS show, and then in addition to the Showtime show. So he, I mean, he was always great to me, like really cool dude, but just you know, never really. He was always just busy, like you know, not nonstop around the clock working. So I definitely respect him and his, his work ethic, and thank for the opportunity to work on the show. But to answer your question, no, nah, I don't think Jim is a dick. But I can understand from, like, from an outsider's perspective, I can understand why people may think that. But he doesn't really take any shit, and he's obviously very opinionated. Yeah, I think he's one of the few people in kind of the same vein as a Bill Simmons that literally will just say whatever's on their mind and not really worry about uh, what people feel or think about it. Right, yeah. And he's he, on, it doesn't surprise me, because he's on so many different mediums. I hear him, I see him, I you know, he's on TV, radio, it's it's crazy, and I can imagine he's that kind of guy that's just like so buried into his work. He just doesn't suffer fools, and he's got his goals, mm-hmm. and and he's yeah, he's earned. I respect him, but I think he's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, Dave, you, you should know better, Josiah. We actually had uh, I, I I don't know if you ever heard of the guy, but we had uh, Milo Yiannopoulos on our show, who's a very controversial uh, who's a very controversial person, and we caught a little bit of flack for having him on our show. And uh, just because of his political views and all that. And uh, people would ask me, like, you know, what well, was that guy a dick? And I'm like, well, actually, like, his his shtick is kind of to be a dick. And that's just kind of like how he does business. But but off the off to the side, like, he, he was actually couldn't have been more gentlemanly and more uh, more nice and professional. Yeah. I mean, Rome, I'd say the same type of way that, you know, he just demands, you know, a certain level of quality. And if you work hard for him, he's going to treat you with respect. You come in, you know, you handle your business, and you you do what you have to do. And I was a, I started as a segment producer on on Jim Rome on Showtime, and then eventually got promoted to producer. But those shows, like we would turn those things around in like a day and a half, and wow. it would be you know nonstop mayhem, just trying to trying to get to air every week. But it was one of the, one of the better, funner experiences of my life in production. So let me let me ask you this: from going from uh, producing uh, sports shows to uh, you know producing and creating an uh, animated show, which, which do you like better? Do you like uh, producing or do you, do you like the whole creation process of, uh, of the animated TV show? Between the two, I definitely would prefer the animation stuff just because it's, you know, it's so good to do so much different stuff and wear so many different hats, you know, from mm-hmm. doing voiceover work, which is probably one of the funner things, you know, being in a VO booth and then you get to see a character talking like you and literally that's your voice. Sometimes it's weird <laughs> for me because like the, the show will be on in my house in the background and I literally like, I have to take a step back and be like, damn, I'm, I'm literally doing these voices right now. It's just fucking crazy and awesome. <laughs> but the sports side, too, man, I worked at NFL Network for 10 years, produced a show there called NFL Replay for about five of those years. 
And that show it was so hectic. We would turn turn that show around in like 72 hours. So I literally wouldn't sleep for those three or four days. So I had a lot of fun doing that too and just kind of, you know, being up against the gun every week to get the show to air yeah. and all the different, you know, obstacles and pitfalls that may happen. So it's a little different now coming in, you know, to a show where it's, hey, it's going to take seven to nine months to do. But to see it start out, like we go through various phases when we're working on Legend of Chainman Heights. Like there'll be points where Quinn and I will see a script and just be like, oh, we don't think it's that good. And then we'll see an anime and be like, oh, shit, no, it's great. Like, we really like this. And <laughs> every, you know, but we'll go back and forth with that. And then when you see the final kind of finished product before it gets delivered to the network, it's like, wow, man, we really, we really did that with, with our team over at Bento Box and with Comedy Central. We really put something together that's, you know, it won't live forever per se, but, you know, it's something that is out there now. We're literally on TV after South Park. So I don't know, you know, I can imagine this as a kid or even dreamed that I'd have a show that aired after South Park. And for now to literally be real and almost be wrapping up on the first season, it's still, I got to pinch myself sometimes. Well, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I never met you before this phone call, but in all honesty, I, I couldn't be happier for you, Josiah. That's, oh, that's, you. that's absolutely awesome. Uh, where can we, where can everybody out there, uh, what's your uh, Twitter handle, like website? What's all the good stuff people can track you down? Uh, if anybody wants to, to say good or bad shit, I love everything, both of it. I like to have fun on Twitter. You can either, uh, Follow the Legends official account at, at Legends of CH, or you can follow my own personal Twitter account, which is King Josiah Fifty Four. I'll literally I try to respond to everybody. You know, I appreciate people taking the time out, whether it's good or bad, to acknowledge my work and my art. So I, I definitely, you know, have no problem responding back to people. There's some people that are super mean. It's like, damn, bro, like, <laughs> not that. You got like they they call the show cancer and like you know AIDS and say it's a staph infection and other shit. It's like I mean I wouldn't go that far. You may not like it, but it's definitely better than a staph infection. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I wouldn't wish a staph infection on anybody. I, I definitely would wish Legend of Chamber Heights on them though. Our 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 podcast on the other hand not better than staph infection. Not even close. <laughs> Well, well awesome. you guys are doing the thing, though, man, so I appreciate it. <laughs> awesome. Josiah Johnson from Legends of Chamberlain Heights, thank you so much for coming on the Nothing Important Podcast. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow night's episode and season two, and, you know, I, I hope you stay in touch, and I hope you come on the show again, man. It's been an absolute honor. Hey, if you guys let me know, man. I don't really do shit in my evenings, so I got no problem coming on the show whenever. Cool. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Thank you, jo Josiah Johnson. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks a lot, man. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, Josiah Johnson from the Legends of Chamberlain Heights. What a what a cool, like, level-headed, like, seems genuinely nice dude. Yeah, and um, I mean, he's, uh, man, he's just one of those guys that caught right place, right time, and gets to live <laughs> out his dream and uh, doesn't seem to be taking it for granted. You know, willing to share and no, willing right. to all. take time out, especially for, for as much as it just started out as screwing around. Which, you know, ninety percent of the stuff that we do just starts out as screwing around. Right. <laughs> all right. we need to do is get right. you know some Comedy Central executive to see our shit and. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. Question you know, mark, like question I... mark question mark profit. <laughs> <laughs> Phase one: collect the yeah. pants. <laughs> right. You know. I, well, I've, I've said it before. I love people that. Um, I, I love to hear success stories, you know, like I, I love to hear that him and his buddy just kind of started something for laughs and it caught the right eyes, you know, and now he has this vast opportunity that's obviously played out well for him because I, I don't right. think he mentioned it, but I'm pretty sure that they actually got picked up for a season two before the end of the first season even ended. Right. 
They got, I, as far lot. as I heard, they got picked up for uh, season two before the first episode aired. Yeah, yeah. So that's huh. that's amazing, you know. I mean, I mean, it's a it's a fun show, you know. It's a uh, it's it's a little different and and wacky, but man, it's a uh, you know, it's it's a uh, I I dig the sense of humor. I get it. I think I think it's hilarious, yeah. and I, I couldn't be happy happier for him. And I'm glad he came out on the show. Yeah, good yeah, good nice uh, choice of guest there, Mister Booking Agent. Thank you, thank you. And well, I'm glad I'm glad that he came on the show. We wish him nothing but luck, and um, you know, we we hope to have him back on, especially uh, maybe during season two. You know, who who the hell knows? Maybe they'll get picked up for season three. So that's great, man. I I, I love seeing people. Uh, yeah. I I love seeing people be successful, and that you know that makes me happy. And uh, you know, I'm I'm happy that he made some time for us. That was way cool. And it gives so, you hope that it can happen to you too, because yeah, dreams who do knows? come true, Brian and Jeff. Dreams do mm-hmm, come true. They do. They do. So, except for if you, your dream is to have your wallet. So, as I was saying before I called, <laughs> so, like, so, so um, I, I think, especially in my single days, um, you guys could probably attest. Like, I'm, I'm a pretty, I wouldn't say like free spirit in the hippie sense, but uh, I, you know, like I'm, I'm, I mean, most of my attitude is pretty much like. <laughs> Whatever, fuck it. What's the You're, worst that I can happen? I would say that right? you are more hippie than you would like to admit. Right, like I, I'm, I'm not like a smoke yeah. weed. You're like a conservo weed, like yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I like, uh, I like being uh, successful and somebody actually worth talking to. But for the most part, uh, it'd be pretty hard to get me riled up for anything. You know, like I'm a very like whatever like kind of deal guy. So it's like I would always lose wallets. Because I never had a credit card until I was married, not because I didn't have good credit and I didn't pay my bills, which uh, surprisingly enough, I was actually really good at. It's just uh, I always thought having a credit card was stupid, and <laughs> I never <laughs> carried. I even though like uh, you know I'd be a pizza delivery guy, and uh, at any given time I'd have a few hundred dollars in cash, but just out of practicality, I would never carry more than like twenty dollars a day on me, you know. Right. And so besides that, in my wallet, it would just be like. My driver's license, some sort of uh, sandwich, sandwich uh, frequency card from Subway, and maybe like, <laughs> maybe like a few random receipts and stuff. So like, if I if I lost my wallet or whatever, to me it w- it was never a big deal because I was like, <clears throat> w- w- what's somebody gonna do? Send me a letter with the fucking address that they got off my driver's license? Who gives a shit? You know? Mm-hmm. So th- I'd be that- really upset though if I was at like nine sandwiches. Mm-hmm, and someone right. didn't turn that back into me. <laughs> that would be that would really piss me off. It really would. Yeah, I I never really thought of that, but now thinking back, now I'm actually kind of pissed off retroactively. <laughs> uh, so anyway, also the thing about that when when it's my fault, I can come to grips with it better, right? Like if I do something stupid and I toss my wallet just a random place, and then I can't find my wallet, or I leave my wallet on the table of a restaurant. And somebody swipes it, that sucks. But I I can come to terms with that because I'm like, oh, man, I'm a fucking idiot. I can't believe I did that. Right? Like so, like right. Like I can come I can come to grips with that and realize I'm a fucking idiot and and move on. Right? But that's not what happened. What happened was it slid out of my back pocket as I was sitting on a city bus. Uh, one, I know that it happened that way because I used my wallet the venture card, which is the city bus card. I used my wallet to get on the bus and pay for the bus fare. So it's not like I lost it before I got on the bus. It was right. definitely like in my pocket after the bus. 
And uh, two, there was foreshadowing to that because earlier in the day I was walking around the office and I had a random dollar in my other back pocket. And one of the lawyers that work where uh, in the office I manage uh, said, hey, you're about to lose a dollar. And I reached back and the dollar bill was almost all the way out of my pants pocket, right? Like toilet paper hanging out when you come out of the stall. (laughs) exactly so i was like oh shit well let me put that in my wallet which was nice because it was the only dollar in my wallet when it got lost (laughs) and i put that wallet in my in my back pocket so i always do this thing where uh front front back right this is where i keep my key my keys phone and my wallet always searching for it keys phone wallet i pat my pockets constantly all day just to make sure they're all there same i get off the bus pat my pat my pockets and uh wallet's missing open up my briefcase uh, no wallet in there. So looking through my coat, no wallet in there. Look up to see where the bus is at. And the bus is already like past the next stoplight and going under a viaduct, which fucking sucks because it's the first time I've ever seen a bus get the fucking green light at that particular intersection. <laughs> so <laughs> there's no way I'm catching it like running in, you know, like work clothes on a city block. You know what I mean? There's no way I'm catching up with it. And by, by that point, Somebody has probably already grabbed it. Right. So, so the worst part is, is one, explaining to my wife who has been through me losing several wallets <laughs> in, <laughs> in, in our 10 years of marriage. Once again, explaining to her that uh, I, again, lost a fucking wallet and not just lost a wallet, but lost a wallet three days before vacation. <laughs> oh, even better. So well, now, did that has your experience taught you anything? I was gonna say here's here's what I'm taking from this multiple times. Here's what I'm taking yeah, from I, the story. I, is that mm-hmm. Brian's ass is getting so fat, is literally squeezing everything out of the pockets. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was thinking that for his work attire, maybe he should look at that and stop wearing those tight leather pants that really don't have pockets in the back. He's just kind of shoving <laughs> it between his cheek. And the leather, right? But when I say, I mean, when I say office yoga pants, right? Yeah, when I say, exactly. <laughs> I don't know what kind of office you manage there, but <laughs> well, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, previous to this, uh, in my in my former profession, I had to wear suits every day, and that sucks. Right, wearing suits every day sucks, but it was functional because I literally just had all dark colored suits. And then just like a bevy of light colored shirts. <laughs> so every day to get ready, like there was no thought process to it like whatsoever. Right. Yeah. It was just like, oh shit, a dark suit and a light shirt. Yeah. It cuts Bam, down on decision done, fatigue. You know? Exactly. So working in an office though, where you're supposed to be like, kind of like, you know, like kind of more casual, but like kind of professional and trendy. My wife takes me shopping and she buys me these these dark jeans that are like almost stretchy jeans, and they're not quite skinny jeans, but they're not exactly the type of blue jeans that I would go buy myself to wear just around the place. Mm-hmm. And I I think I I literally think that maybe the material or whatever it was made out of is the reason why the wallet came out. Because like I said, like literally earlier that day, I was just walking around, and that dollar had made its way out of the course of the day out of the pocket. So I think what happened is when I sat on the seat on the bus, which is another thing because I'd never sit on the bus. I always thought like if I was, if I lost my wallet on the bus, it would be from a pickpocket. I'd never sit on the bus and there was nobody on this particular bus. And I was like, you know what the hell with it? I'm just going to sit down and uh, enjoy my five block ride until I have to get off and walk home. 
Right. <laughs> like, and uh, so I think what happened is I probably sat down and probably just kind of like adjusted myself and scooted forward and probably just like pop, like squeezed it yep. right out. Lesson number two, don't let your wife pick out your jeans ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, but that's catch, 20, that's catch 22 because I hate shopping. For me, shopping is the worst thing in the world because not only does it cost money, but it's boring as shit. <laughs> so it's like the two things that annoy me the most are in caps. Like we'll go to, I'll take my wife to Kohl's or Marshall's or some other fucking ridiculous woman's store. And she'll be like, are you coming in with me? I'm like, absolutely not. She's like, well, I'm probably going to be in an hour. I'm like, hey, that's great. And she'll be like, you'd rather sit in a car for an hour than come shopping? I'm like, I'd rather sit in the car for four hours than go shopping for half an hour. Like, you go fucking have fun. <laughs> I have I have, I have, have a phone and internet. <laughs> and worse comes to worse, I'll drive this fucking car to go somewhere that I'd actually rather be. <laughs> you know? And you can call me. So um, so the catch-22 is, is like, yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, she picked up my clothes, but then, you know, on the other side of that, I didn't have to go shopping. So, well, I mean, really, what did I lose out of this? I, I lost a dollar and the pain of an ass of getting like a new ID. Yeah, the $35 <laughs> that State of Illinois charges you for a new driver's license? Yep. Ah, well, this is where we're also smart because the State of Illinois can go fuck itself because, <laughs> because <laughs> um, I actually managed to procure another like driver's license off like an errored like a uh, photo. Like they aired and took the photo, made the driver's license, and had to redo it for free because the photo didn't quite match the requirements, which is fucking stupid. Huh. So all these years, my wife and I have just had copies of each other's driver's license in our wallets. Like I had a driver's license with her and mine, totally legal and a hundred percent legit. Oh. So now that's just down to one each. <laughs> so I mean, I'm not saying I came out ahead, but so, I didn't lose as much ground as right. I potentially could have. The next one, the next one will cost you. That you lose, <laughs> right, right, right. The <laughs> next, the next wallet I lose four months right. from now, you'll be paying out of pocket. Well, here's the mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, um, I don't remember how I must have been watching something about pickpockets or something because at one point in my life, I decided I was going to carry my wallet in my front pocket. And mm -hmm. for all you pickpockets, I do the out same there, thing. I left front pocket is always where I keep my wallet. I don't keep anything right. in my back pocket anymore. Maybe he's also kind of paranoid about spinal shit because I'm fat and have a bad back to start with. So sitting on a big ass lump all the time doesn't help. And uh, yeah, I just I don't keep anything in my back pockets. I love cargo shorts because they carry my other stuff in the cargo pockets. Yeah, so, I know. Uh, I haven't carried a wallet in my back pocket since like the middle of high school, um, mm -hmm. and that was mostly because security stuff. Um, now I do it because otherwise it makes my ass look weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I usually I typically it. keep it in my front pocket, but what happens is at at work where I work, I have uh like a like a key ring like with like a, a million keys on it. Uh huh. And that and that stays in my front pocket, and then in the other front pocket is my phone, which I use to listen to music at work or, or whatever. So it's just like a matter of like you know it sucks because the front pockets are so functional, but when they're overfilled, it, it just creates like a it's annoying. A terrible, a terrible yeah. pants wearing experience. Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, so I put the wallet in my back pocket because it also has uh, the security access code to the, uh, to the uh, tower that I work in, you know, cause I work downtown in a skyscraper. Oh. So you get, so, and it also becomes functional because, uh, it, it, as, uh, as I walk through the office, there are certain doors where you have to use your security access code to get into. And it just happens to be ass height for me. 
So it's nice because if I'm carrying a box or moving a desk or carrying a bunch of paperwork or on the phone or, or whatever, if I'm doing something with my hands, I can literally just like turn my ass to the wall and it'll open the door for me <laughs> without like even yep. breaking my stride. Huh. So it, it was actually functional. So like in the last like month or so, I've just gotten used to putting it back there and, uh, and you know, it, it just kind of cost me this time and it absolutely, it, it, it sucks. I could be in worse <laughs> positions, but I, here, I, here's. I, I, I just had a funny thought, sorry, of, of you keeping your wallet in your front, and then anytime you need to get through a door, you just celebrate like a Chicago Cub at the World Series, just dick bump it. <laughs> dick bumps. Yeah. Be like, oh, man, I have this box full of files, but I got to get through this door. Hip thrust. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Which, Kane coming the through with a hip check. <laughs> the key to that is I audibly have to say hip thrust. Oh yeah, as I like, as I like in thrust best, my dick in your it. best Fred Schneider <laughs> voice. <laughs> hip thrust. Hip thrust. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <sighs> all right, that's about all I have. So you guys remember last week I was telling you how I went to McDonald's and they stole a dollar from me. <laughs> yeah. You can stop recording now. Be sure to follow Nothing Important online at nothingimportantpodcast.com. Find us on iTunes, on Twitter at NotImportantPC, and you can also find us on Facebook. Nothing Important is recorded with help from Third City Sound in Joliet, Illinois. Thanks for being awesome.